Welcome to Firm Foundation Ministries Podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you to live out the purpose God has for your life. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. This is my annual sermon on tithing, and I I do this every year during our uh, vision series. Um, and And I'll be honest with you, it's not my favorite message to preach. You guys have known that. Simply because I feel like no matter who you are teaching and preaching on this particular area of the scripture, because it's entirely biblical, somebody say amen, Uh, no matter what you do, someone's heart, the enemy is bent to find a way to distort that message. Because the, the, the enemy knows that if he can hinder the church from being financed, the kingdom of God doesn't get to invade planet earth. And so the, the message of tithe, the message of that has been skewed in all kind of ways. To, uh, you know, to all the way to don't give anything because God doesn't need it. All the way to give because it prospers you. Amen. And, and it, it runs the full gamut of things. Today, I want to posture our hearts in the relevant of our vision as a church. Not only as we've been talking about how, that, how our individuality gives power and strength and validity and, and foundation to the vision of the house that God has called us to. Uh, for the, the, and what are our parts inside of this? And so I, I've titled this message, Fly the Kite. Now, I don't want you to be derogatory because sometimes, you know, you can tell somebody you don't want like or what, go fly a kite. You know, that kind of thing. That's not what we're doing here. I want to read you a scripture uh, out of uh, Zechariah chapter 4. You can write this down. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, Zechariah 4, 6. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It's not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's army. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Not even a mighty mountain, I love it, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become level, like a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in the place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. Now, I I want to just hold this here for just a moment, because I, I want to make a statement as we read this particular statement. And then I'm going to talk to you about why this portion of Scripture is so important when it comes to the idea of tithing and giving. But let me just say this right off the bat. If you're taking notes or if you're highlighting anything, what? I, I need you to understand how you do anything is how you'll do everything. We, we used to have this statement that you, you, know, um, you, you play like you practice. That's a, that's a great statement. But my basketball coach had a different statement on the wall of our gym. He said, you practice like you play. Our intent when we come into the gym is to make sure when we hit the floor, we do exactly what we did here. So if we turn the ball over too many times in a game, the next day at practice, guess what we did? We learned how to dribble the ball, how to pass the ball. That's what we worked on. Too many, if, we didn't, if, we did, if we missed too many free throws, you guess what we did? We ran till we puked, and then we shoot free throws. Because if you can't hit 75% of your free throws, when you're tired, you will lose the basketball game. That was his goal. How you do anything is how you do everything. 
Now watch this. On November the 9th, 1847, a civil engineer named Charles Ellett Jr. was commissioned to build a bridge across Niagara Falls. He was commissioned to build the bridge from the American side to the Canadian side. Now the question, of course, is how do you get the first cable across the gorge? In 1847. Now today, hello somebody, just attach that thing to a helicopter and we got a cable on the other side in just a minute. But in 1847, options were not that easy. And so a civil engineer has got to figure out how to get the first cable across that 825 foot chasm that is raging with water that has cliffs on either side, 225 feet tall. How do we get the cable across? Enter Theodore Graves Hullett. He's a local iron worker who makes this suggestion. Now get this. He says, let's have a kite flying contest. Okay, how's that going to help us? No, no kidding. This is a true story. And so... On a particular day when it was just right for flying kites, they set this kite flying contest up with a $10 cash prize in 1847. $10 back then. Hello, somebody. Uh, Tim looked it up for us this morning. We believe it's like 30, it's about the equivalent of 3,500. $350, $350, okay. $350. It doesn't matter. A 15-year-old wins the contest. So in 1847, a 15-year-old has the equivalent of 350 bucks. So he wins the contest with this kite flying contest. And the very next day, this civil engineer, Ellett and Hullett, work together and take the very same kite and attach a kite string to it and fly it across the gorge. Someone on the other side, the Canadian side of the gorge, retrieves the kite with the small kite string on it. Someone on the American side attaches a stronger piece of string. They pull it across. That string is then attached to a rope, and they pull it across. That rope is then attached to the first cable pulled across the gorge. Hello, somebody. Cable consisting of 36 strands of 10-gauge wire. It would become the world's first railway suspension bridge strong enough to support a 170-ton locomotive. And it all started with one kite string. And it always does. And it always does. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. If you do the little things like the big things, God will do the big things like the little things. I I, I heard a guy say that recently. And since today is about giving, I'm trying to set it up, and I don't want to be misinterpreted and all those things. It, It doesn't matter. But, you know, I meet people all the time who tell me, oh, Pastor Don, I, I, I'll give when I, when I make a little more. Listen, I love you, but I'm not buying what you're selling. If you aren't generous with a little, you won't be generous with a lot. Generosity always starts right here. Everybody say right here. here. And right now. Everybody says right now. now. 
Generosity always starts right here and it always starts right now. It can't wait for tomorrow. It's, it, do you know that there's never a time in the scripture where worship is not connected to generosity? To giving. Here's the bottom line. The big idea. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with a lot. A single kite can eventually become the carrier of a string that became a bridge that connected two countries. A single kite was the instrument used to connect two countries over what seemed impassable. To build something that seemed impossible. Now, many of us in this room have probably taken the trip across a bridge from America to Canada and Niagara. And it's a beautiful place, right? And, and the truth of the matter is the view of the falls is, is, is more pretty from the Canadian side. But you got to understand, when you're on the Canadian side, you're looking back at the American side. So, really, America has to... Hell, I'm just... Uh, it's just me. Uh, we go to Canada to see how beautiful America is. Yeah. For my Canadian friends, I love you. <laughs> let, let me set the scene. In Zechariah here, Zerubbabel is a leader of a remnant that's returning to Judah with a God-sized vision. And we've been talking about vision. And we have a God-sized vision. We have something that's bigger than who we are. And, and his God-sized vision and this remnant that's returned is to rebuild the temple that Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed 50 years earlier. And so the Lord says to Zerubbabel, as he looks at the ruins, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. The Lord says to Zerubbabel as he looks at the ruins of the temple of God. The place that was supposed to represent the glory of God. The place that when all of the world who didn't know the one God would come and see the temple. They were supposed to see God in all of his glory. Instead, here they are standing there looking at the ruins of God's temple. And in his heart, Zerubbabel's got a vision to rebuild it. But it looks overwhelming to them. And God says to him, not by might, no by power, in connection with rebuilding something that declared the glory of God. So I'm just going to help us out. I get under the bench press with 500 pounds on it. And I'm like, God said, not by might, no by power, but by his spirit. God's going to lift this for me. That's probably taking that scripture out of context. No, God makes this statement in connection with his glory on planet earth. God makes this statement. We can't do it. It's not big enough. We, we, we don't have enough resources. The world is a mess. They don't care about us. They criticize us as Christians. Well, how are we going to make an impact in the world that we live in? Right? All these things. And God continues to yell at us about his church, about his glory on planet earth. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. It's right there. Let me let you in on a little secret. Is that all right? You want a secret? Everybody loves a secret. God wants to do things in you and through you. Things that are beyond your ability, beyond your resources, and beyond your imagination. Why? So he gets the glory. 
Let me say it to us as a church since we're in a, a sermon series about who we are and our vision. God wants to do things through us. Things that are beyond our ability, beyond our resources, and beyond our imagination. How? By His Spirit. Why? For His glory. And I love this scripture because it asks a question here. It says, what are you, mighty mountain? This thing that stands in the way. What are you, mighty mountain? Can I ask you all in this room a question before I press into it? How in our life did a dime become a mountain? In America, how did a dime become an obstacle we cannot overcome? In our life as Americans, as people who God has poured his blessings out on the face of the earth, has God has resourced us and given us so much. One of the, the youngest countries on planet earth, yet the most prosperous. And we can't overcome a dime on a dollar. How did a dime become such a mighty mountain? In my life personally, how did a dime on every dollar that God gives me become a mountain I cannot overcome? Leave it. Because God said it won't stand in our way. Come on, church. There comes a moment when we've got to stop talking to God about our mountains and we've got to start talking to our mountains about God. Especially when it comes to our finances. That's how we flip the script, church. This is how we declare the power of God, the grace of God, the peace of God, the glory of God, the goodness of God, the healing of God. This is how we flip the script. We don't deny obstacles, but we confront them with Faith. And, and I, I need you to understand something. I can't believe God to prosper me over a dime on a dollar. And yet I'm supposed to believe God to heal my body. To set me free from things that have enslaved me. I struggle to have faith on a dime on every dollar that comes into my hand. And yet I seek God for things. Come on, church. You see, we got to exercise authority as children of God, followers of Christ, and citizens of this thing that we call the kingdom of God. See, I don't know what mountain you're facing. I, I don't know because everyone in this room is looking at a different mountain, the mountain of anxiety or addiction. Maybe it's the mountain of injustice or, or unforgiveness. Maybe it's the mountain of depression and frustration. Maybe somebody hurt your feelings. I, I am amazed at the people who will walk away from a lifetime relationship because they got their feelings hurt. I'm not saying we should excuse bad behavior. I'm amazed at the people who will allow other people to talk them out of relationships that have been so instrumental in their life for a lifetime because they have an offense against someone. Someone, listen, I've walked with Breno since he was five or six years old. I know he's not perfect, but someone that I don't know and don't have a major relationship with comes up to me and starts beating up on Breno, negative. 
I know him. You don't talk me out of my relationship with him. If you have an offense with him, you need to act biblically and go to him and fix that. Leave me alone. I might hurt your feelings. Right? It's just been that way. And it's that way. It should be that way for all of us. If people start to beat us, just tell people, why don't you start acting biblical? The Bible didn't tell you to come over here and start no gossip. Maybe that's where we're going to start all our counseling from here on out. I'm just telling you, where in the scripture you're not being obedient? We'll deal with that. See, uh, maybe it's a mountain range. Maybe you're like, Pastor Don, it's not just one thing. Hello, somebody. But that's when and where I fall back on what I know for sure. Listen to me. God is still a God who makes sidewalks through, come on church, through the sea. God is still a God who makes the sun stand still. He's still the God who turns water into wine. And he's still the God who moves mountains. It changed. And God has just been speaking this to my spirit. I wrote it down last week. And as I've been praying for some people, it's just coming right back. Testimony is prophecy. Somebody say amen. What does that mean? It's simple. If God did it before, he'll do it again. If God did it for me, he can do it for you. Why? Because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Testimony is prophecy. Why don't y'all go ahead and start prophesying? Somebody's got a testimony about how they've been obedient to giving. How they made a decision where it didn't make any sense to them or not. How they decided to start trusting God on a dime on every dollar that came into them. And, and, and then they just blown away by the details. I got some for you in just a minute. I love this the scripture here. It says not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It's, I don't have a trick Bible. It's right there in your Bible. It will become a level plane before him, before him. Why? Because God has called him. I need this church to understand right now. There's some things God has given us. There's some visions God has given us. There, there, are some, there, there are some missions that God has given us. And we have stepped back and said, I don't know how. And God said, those things are going to be. That mountain that you think is going to keep you from getting where I've called you, I'm going to make that thing like a plane in front of you. Here's the deal. You're not even going to have to climb a mountain to get there because I'm going to move them. It's right there. And we got a lot of habits, we got a lot of things that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, right? Right here in this scripture, you got flip the script, speak to the mountain, play offense, exercise authority, declare the will of God and the glory of God. Flip the script on that thing. You've got, you've got kiss the wave, it's right here. Watch, the obstacle's not the enemy. You don't go around a mountain by faith. God will get you to the other side. Be the bigger person. Speak to the mountain. Man, we out here preaching about mustard seeds and we can't get over a dime. You know, you see these little chains that people wear with a little mustard seed inside of them? You ever seen those little things? Because yeah, I got faith. That's it. You know what we should do? We should put, we should put one with dime in it. That's why I got faith. How can something so small move something so, in, uh, so big that moves us to eat the frog <laughs> come on church the domino effect you want God to do the super do the natural oh yeah I'm helping you today you don't even know it yet but you will let, let, me, let me drop down to verse 10 here because this is so good 
Uh, I mean, this is just so, so good. Uh, I need you to grab a hold of this, church. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Please do not go past that too fast. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Oh, church, come on. Here we go. I, I, man, it hit me so hard. I need you to think about this, right? The Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. The plumb line. Y'all know what a plumb line is? Come on, everybody knows what a plumb line is. There's a string with a weight on the end of it we, that we use to find where the level is, right? Those type of things. Listen, plumb line, kite string, it's the same difference. Plumb line's a measuring tape. I want you to stop and think about this. God is rejoicing before they even begin building. God is rejoicing before they even begin. They don't even have permits yet. They ain't even broken ground yet. And here is God. They only have blueprints and God is standing up in heaven giving them a standing ovation. He's rejoicing. You'd think we would be the ones rejoicing. No, the Bible says that God is rejoicing to see it begin. Oh, I'm excited. I don't know about you, but man, the things that excite God are excite me. God is rejoicing. It's right there. He's rejoicing to see it begin. God isn't just great, church, because nothing is too big for him. God is great because nothing is too small for him. He can move mountains, but he also celebrates steps of faith, small acts. You see, we want to do amazing things for God, but it really isn't our job. God is the one who does amazing things. Our job is to consecrate ourselves to God one day at a time. And if we do our job, God will do His. How? Now, let me get to it. I got to do it. I got to just, you know, I got to get to it. Here we go. We got to eat this frog today. I love it. You know, Tyler Carpenter came up to me and, and, and he knows, he says, man, this is my favorite sermon of the year. I need you to understand that. And Carly was like, oh yeah, he's crazy about this stuff. One of the richest men in the, on the planet was a man named Abram. Genesis 12, 2 and 3, I'll make you a great nation. This is God's promise to him. I'll bless you and make you a great name. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed through you. Note verse 2, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. See, I believe that's God's promise to this church. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. I need you to write this down. I didn't put it up here on a PowerPoint, but I want you to remember it. The ultimate purpose of financial prosperity is to preach the gospel. In Deuteronomy, there's a scripture that says it's God that gives thee power to get wealth. And man, the prosperity preachers love that scripture. And that's where they stop. But that's not where the scripture stops. The Bible says it is God that gives you the power to get wealth to establish his kingdom. That's the rest of the scripture. It's important because there are a lot of rich non-believers, but their wealth isn't based on God's economy. And so when, when the world collapses, so does their wealth. However, wealth based on God's economy is not subject to the world's markets. God's provision supersedes catastrophes. Come on, church. God, his abundance is inexhaustible. He makes a promise to us to never see the seed of Abraham begging for bread. 
in, in the wilderness, they, their clothes didn't wear out. It didn't say that about any other nation. And so God is bringing us to a place, church, to understand that the primary foundational principle of God's economy is the principle of tithing. Why is that? Well, let me get here. Genesis 14, 18 and 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of God, of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abram, gave him a tenth or a tithe of all. Now, oh, brother, that's the Old Testament. Did you read the New Testament? Because the book of Hebrews says the exact same thing. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Oh, well, you know, I was just... The greatest principle to note here is that Abram was tithing prior to the law. Some folks believe that tithing was done away with because we're no longer under the law. Good theory, bad theology. Because using that kind of theory, we could say murder's okay now because we're not under the law. We could say stealing is okay now because we're not under the law. As a matter of fact, we see it. We see it happening today. Hello, somebody. Good theory, lousy theology. The real fact is tithing was never attached to any law. You can't show me it. Tithing's never attached to anything, not any law. It was a principle of living that God ordained for the earliest of times. Can I prove it to you? The first presentation of the tithe was Cain and Abel. In the process of time, Cain brought an offering, the fruit of the ground, to the Lord. And Abel also brought firstborn of his flocks and fat calf. And the Lord respected Abel's offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now, there's a lot of teachers who say, well, the reason that God rejected uh, Cain's offering is because, you know, it it wasn't like a blood sacrifice. Uh, And they say, you know, it had to be that because it's a prototype of Christ and those type of things. Those same teachers say that offering grains and offerings of grain and fruit are unacceptable to God. That's just not true at all. It's good theory, but it's lousy theology. Have you ever noticed that when you think the greatest Teaching is usually a teaching that agrees to what you want to do. Come on. The podcast of preachers are a dime a dozen. Oh, there's a dime again. I'm sorry. That was. And it doesn't matter what you want to hear. They'll tell it to you. They will tell it to you. And we go around not listening to the teaching of the eldership that God has t- sent to us. Not heeding. We won't even listen to this sermon back, but we'll spend 50 hours this week listening to podcasts from other preachers. I got a lot of soapboxes, but I I don't have time to get on one today about that. But You can hear 20 good teachings on tithing and hear one bad teaching on it, and then all of a sudden, the no tithe message agrees with your flesh. The truth of the matter is, grain and fruit offerings were incredibly acceptable to God. It's right there in Leviticus chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. I don't have time to read it for you, but God received them. A grain offering was acceptable to God, except, everybody say except, for sin offerings. For every other offering, it was acceptable. Except for sin offerings. 
Cain and Abel were offering a thanksgiving offering, not a sin offering. It's right there in the Bible. You just got to read it. You ought to read it. It's great. It's right there. And so the grain offering would have been incredibly acceptable from Cain to God. Here's the thing. Cain didn't bring his first fruit. He just brought an offering. Cain put back what he needed for himself and he brought God what was left. Abel brought the first fruit, his tithe, the firstborn. Hello, somebody. I don't have time to work that out for you in Scripture, but it's there. But I need to get back to Abram. He gave Melchizedek a tithe, 10% of everything he had. And, and, and this shoots down another theory. Let me, let me ask you this. Did, did Melchizedek need the tithe? Doubtful. Doubtful that he needed it. But I hear people all the time, they say, well, I don't give my tithes because the church doesn't need it. Melchizedek was the king of Salem. Let me give you a little, uh, a little geography and a little Bible lesson. Salem is the territory that we now call Jerusalem. He didn't need it. It's a very fertile area. Abram didn't pay tithe to Melchizedek because he needed to receive it. He paid it because he needed to give it. Come on, church. Here's a principle number one, and I put it up here because I want you to see this. God's economy is tithing, not because the church needs it, not because you agree with the way it's spent, but because you need to give it. If God can't trust you to honor him with something so simple and minor as a dime on a dollar, how can he trust us with bigger blessings and financial prosperity? In order for all the other principles to work in the scripture, we've got to get this one right. And so many people just want to pick and choose. And when we read portions of Scripture, we think, oh, this is for that person. And they need to obey this. And they need to do that. Until Don announces, Pastor Don says, hey, I'm going to preach a message on tithing. That's the convenient Sunday for it to snow four inches and not show up. (laughs) I'm just saying, I just woke up this morning and I said, the devil, the devil with that stuff, man. Snow, it's the devil's dandruff. Not today, of all days. And and not to me, I was telling Cassie before church, we just made it too convenient to miss church to start with. We really have. Man, I can remember a time when I, I was, and I'm still like that, I guess. I just, I never based going into God's presence on convenience to start with. I met Jesus, and he so radically changed my life that it was like, you know what I'm saying? I want to be the postman Christian for God. I want to be the mailman Christian for God. Rain, snow, sleet, or high water, the mail's getting delivered. Hello, somebody. I'm going to church. Man, your ability to be blessed is not based on what you have in your hand, church. Your ability to be blessed is based on what you're willing to trust God with. Oh. Some people pay their tithe on their business income and on their personal income. Listen to this. Y'all not going to believe this. You're not going to believe it. And their businesses show it. Christians who have businesses and pay their tithe on their business as well as their personal income, their businesses are prospering out of their minds. I would, as a business owner, be afraid to try and operate a business in this current economy without honoring God for it, with it. 
from retail to farming. Y'all better say amen. I want God on my side from the start. I'm talking about gross, not net, because God comes before the government. Hello, somebody. We've been talking a little bit. Let me just say this. I just seen it before church. I, uh, we've been talking a little bit about what we're going to do with these youth groups, and, and we're going to need more room for them, and those kind of things. And you, you walk around this building, you think this place is huge, but you, listen, the world is building buildings to draw our children away from us, and they're putting technology, they're putting, fan, they're doing all the things that attract kids to their area, and then they're teaching them stuff we used to wouldn't imagine behind our backs and then telling us we don't have a right oh y'all and you want to fuss at me because i want to build a building to attract young people so we can demonstrate teach them the word of god let them get filled with the holy spirit and walk with god in righteousness shame on us We've been talking about this for a little while. God, what are we going to do? We've just been praying into it as elders. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? This morning, a business owner sent a $2,500 check and said, Hey, Pastor Don, I want this seed to go towards that building. We don't have any blue. We haven't agreed to do it. We haven't even agreed to do it. And people are sowing seeds. You know why? Because, man, that mountain ain't nothing but a hill for God. And my God is a mountain climbing God. He steps over them like nobody's business. And if God puts something in front of us, listen, shame on us for saying it's a mountain we can't climb. I'm telling you, church. This is so good. And and so the finance team says, well, we we don't even have a designation for that. You do now. We want to plant churches? We should put money in a church planting fund every year. We want to buy empty church buildings? Come on. Dave Ramsey people, cashier's king. Imagine planting a church with zero debt. I, I got all kinds of dreams. Did you know that the greatest detriment to a blessing in your home is keeping the tithe? What happens when we keep the tithe? It's the first fruit. Can I give you an illustration? In the book of Joshua, uh, Jericho, Jericho. Everybody say Jericho. It's odd when you read that scripture because God told them, go in and you can't keep none of the spoils for yourself. They all belong to me. Well, that's kind of selfish. I mean, after all, we could use a little gold. We could upgrade some things around here about after all that wandering around out there for a while. God said, no, no, it's all mine. You can't keep a thing. What happened? A man by the name of Achan decided to keep a little bit. Why would God say they can't? He didn't say that about any other city that they conquered. Only about Jericho. Why? Jericho was the first city to be conquered in the promised land. It was the first fruit. That's good theology. And God says, it's mine. And what happened when they kept for themselves what belonged to God? People died. Oh, now, brother, the tithing's not that serious. Really? Really? You know how many people go to hell every day because the church doesn't have resources to continue to preach the gospel? I'm just sharing my heart a little bit here. You see, the time 
is now to move and claim the blessings of God. Joshua chapter 7. Can I read this to you? But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen, stolen some of the dedicated things. So the Lord was very angry. Come on, church. Joshua sent some of his men to Jerusalem or Jericho to spy out the town of Ei, east of Bethel. We know the story, and they go up against it, and they, they lose some things there. Too many people have chosen to take God's portion instead of God's blessing. Can I say there's a huge difference? There is a huge difference between God's portion and God's blessing. Somebody needs to say amen because you're not getting this, right? You're not getting this. See, here we go. In chapter 7, verse 10, it's so good. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? And Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen from the things I have commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but they lied about it and hidden the things among their own blessings. Oh, church. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. They stole what was mine. That is why my people are running from their enemies in defeat. Because they're keeping my possessions and they don't want my blessing. Y'all not helping me. From now on, Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the thing among you that was set apart for destruction. Now, come on, God. I mean, if you're just going to destroy it, why can't we keep it? What powerful words. God says, this, there's an accursed thing among you. There is an accursed thing among you, and you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. What a revelation, church. You can't see the defeat of your enemy until you remove the accursed thing from your midst. Listen, as long as you love sin, you'll continue to play with it. You ain't going to be delivered from nothing until you hate it. You got to hate it. You got to treat it like an enemy. You got to treat it like something that's, that, that's accursed, right? Achan said, Achan said of himself, you know, I'm just going to go through this because I don't have time to read the whole portion, but the whole chapter 7 of Joshua is incredible. And, and he said, it's been, he, he could have said to himself, look, he got this goal. It's been 40 years since I bought a new coat. If I took my tithe and bought a coat, God will understand. I mean, if I tithe, I won't have anything for savings anyway. And, and, and you all know, right, we all need to put back some gold because, right, we, we're experiencing this real calamity of this thing called COVID. Oh, okay, Aiken didn't say that. I said that. But I mean, after all, God doesn't need all this gold and silver. My family does. Besides that tithing thing, that's an Abraham covenant. It doesn't apply to me. You see, here's, here's where we're all at. We all make decisions about whether we want to remain in the dryness of the desert Oh, we want to move into blessing. And you cannot move into God's blessing as long as you hold on to God's portion. You cannot move into God's blessing as long as you hold on to God's portion. Now, the next step, the next question is absolutely normal, right? It's perfect. Why do we tithe first fruits? It's absolutely normal, and I think we should teach on it more. And, and for the life of me, I wish you had a better Bible teacher than me on this. I think Mike Munson ought to teach it from now on. <laughs> Breno, you should have did this, and I should do the one to the young people. 
Note, Abel brought the first fruits to God. Note, Abraham brought the tithe to the priest. The priest at that time was a physical representation of the temple. For Jericho, God required everything of great value. Gold, silver, precious jewels, fine arts, etc. The place, it, it, it had to go to the house of God. Now this concept is explained. I'm going to read it to you. You knew the scripture was coming today because it's a good, it's a good scripture. Well, they're all good scripture, but anyway. In, in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, and I'll say it if you're Italian, Malachi. <laughs> Yet from the days, verse 7, of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinance and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what ways have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Can you, can you say those together, tithes and offerings? You see, I have a deeper teaching that says you can't even give an offering until you give a tithe. And the blessing isn't really on the tithe. The blessing comes on the offering. But that's not for today. He said tithes and offerings. It's right there in your Bible. You are cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me even from this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now, try me now, try me now. Just go ahead and test me, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be room enough to receive it. Every year when I teach on, preach on tithing, I issue a challenge. Give me one year. And if at the end of that year you, can't sh you can show me where you're actually worse off than where you started, then we will go together and have a conversation with God. But in, in, in the 18 years that I have taught tithing at this church, not one person who has taken my test has come back and said, Pastor Don, it didn't work. Now, some started and didn't finish, but see, that's the thing. You can't finish what you quit. And you can't blame God if you quit. Bring the tithes, the first fruit of the storehouse, the temple where you attend. The vision of this house requires stewardship. I said that a few weeks ago. It requires faithfulness in church attendance. It requires faithfulness in giving. It requires faithfulness in participating. Hello, somebody will give you an opportunity in a few weeks. Family benefits. My dad always said, hey, there are benefits and responsibilities to being part of a family. Being in this family means you have the benefits of this family. That means everybody supports who you are and what you need comes from every one of us. But you also have responsibility. That means you got to pull your weight. And if I tell you, you better get out there and hoe that garden, there better not be a weed in it. That's called Responsibility. If I tell you that grass better be cut when I get back home, either the grass is going to get cut after your, he had colorful, got cut, but it was still, both would wind up cut. You see, from time to time in our church, family members need benefit. And we've stood up from time to time, we're going to do it again in a couple of weeks and say there's a family member in our church that needs a blessing. We're going to take up an offering. An, not tithes, an offering. So you can't switch your ties to that. Hello, somebody. 
That's not how it works because your tithes don't belong to the TV ministry. Your tithes don't belong to the building fund or any other fund, right? You, you can't tell God what to do with your tithes because then you didn't really give it to him. Your tithes are for blessing the house of God. Your tithes not for the homeless. Listen, if you see a family in need, come and give your tithes. Tell the eldership of this church, and we will put together a way to meet that need so that that family sees Jesus giving to them, not one person. That's the way it works. Bring it all. Bring it all. Some of you are stuck in the desert, and you're operating in a desert mentality because you cannot. You're stuck. You have a mountain, and it's called a dime. You have a mountain, and it's called a dime. You're forfeiting the blessing because you won't turn loose of God's portion. Man, y'all are so quiet today, and this sermon went really fast. You see, Israel knew God's provision in the desert, but they did not know God's blessing, and there is a difference. You cannot know God's blessing until you turn loose of God's portion. Listen, church, if we fly the kite, God will build the bridge. Oh, right there. Come on. If we fly the kite, God will build the bridge. Listen to me. I will make a covenant with you, and I've done this over and over and over and over again. I have said this over and over again. If every person, if every family who calls themselves family members here, who say we belong to Firm Foundation Ministries, we believe in the vision of that house. If every family who attends this church would tithe, I guarantee you I will never do another fundraiser. Won't need it. Almost 200 families call this place home. If the average family income is $65,000 a year and 200 families gave 10%, little old Centerville would rock this world. Just saying, just saying. Let me close with this. You remember I said that testimony is prophecy? You remember that? Remember I said that? You remember that? Breno, you remember that? I said testimony is prophecy. Y'all not ready. Y'all not ready. You're not ready. I want you to look at what the Lord has done. Now, Kevin and Brenda Ball are here this morning, and they, they have been coming to church here a little over a year and a half or so or whatever, and, and they're right back there in the back. Let's give them a hand, right? There's some unsolicited, unsolicited, Kevin sent me a picture of something he could not believe. A few weeks back, not knowing when and where I would preach this sermon. And so I, I asked Kevin, can I share that? He said, absolutely. And he said, Pastor Don, last March, you said, take the tithe challenge. Give me one year. And so we took the challenge. They went to FPU. They took all the financial challenge. Can, it's, I'm, I'm going to just, it's right here, Kevin. He, y'all see, he said, it's Okay. 2021 financial review. At the end of 2020, the Ball family, now they shared this so they don't mind, the Ball family's total family income was $112,000. They took the tithe challenge. And at the end of 2021, doing the same job, their family income was $131,000, an increase of $19,000. We not done. They paid over $13,000 in debt. Oh, you updated it. 
20, 10 more than this. Boom. They pay $23,000 in debt. $23,000 in debt. They paid it all. They paid their insurance for their camper and their truck, the business and all this stuff up front fully uh, for the whole year, right? They were upside down on the house that they owed. They sold that house and were able to pay cash at closing for what they owed. Tithe, the best decision we ever made. 10% of gross since March. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Testimonies, prophecy. Now, brother. You go tell him it didn't happen. You go tell him. <laughs> it's right there. They took the challenge. Wayne and Don Carter going through battle, cancer battle, uh, a battle of cancer in Wayne's life. And, and it was, I mean, it was daunting. And the bad news kept coming. The bad news kept coming. And we kept praying. And we spent a lot of time at this altar. And I, I can remember Dawn herself saying, I can't believe what I'm hearing. I can't believe what I'm hearing. They're telling me to prepare to not have my husband anymore. That he's not going to be here. And I don't want to believe that. I want to believe God for a miracle. And she said to me, she said, Pastor Dawn, I couldn't believe God for anything because of what I was hearing. It was just all so discouraging and depressing. And she said, the only act of faith that I could muster up to have was to write the tithe check every month that's all I could do I couldn't do anything else and God healed this man of cancer you won't tell him it didn't happen I, I don't have time to go on and on and on the words of the prophet Zechariah don't despise the day of small beginnings we think right here right now God thinks nations and generations we think God, we think what God has for us, right? But God also th always thinks third and fourth generations. There are some things God has promised this house that many of us in this house won't see if Jesus tarries. And I praise God for that. Because that means, that means discipleship is happening and the vision of the house is happening, right? Right? I'm not sure what your goal is, but I know we overestimate what we can do and we always underestimate what God can do. Look what God has done in 25 years. Unbelievable. What problem are you trying to solve? What gorge are you trying to cross that you can't get across? Can I encourage you today? Do you fly a kite? Did you go fly a kite? Attach that thing to faith. Hello, somebody. And watch what God will do with it. You say, Pastor Don, how do I do that? Give yourself a start date. Can't finish what you don't start. Give yourself. Dream big, but start small. A dime on a dollar. A dime on a dollar. Long obedience in the same direction, church. Take the tithe challenge. I will challenge this church right here, right now, once again. Give me a year. It's not about how much you make. It's about how faithful you are with what God puts in your hands. And it's about saying, God, I will give you your portion. And I know you will give me your blessing. I also know that if I keep your portion, hello somebody. Watch what you think is small and insignificant. Watch God use it to connect nations like a string on a kite.
a kite connected nations. It's unbelievable. It's unfathomable. What a string did. It's insignificant. Come on, church. It's insignificant. The string on a kite. How many of you have ever been flying a kite and the string broke? Yeah. Should have used more faith. Come on. A kite string's been instrumental in history for a long time. There was a guy one time put a key on a kite string. <laughs> and you get to turn a light switch on today. Don't underestimate your dime. That's not my sermon. You remember that? Don't underestimate your dime. And I covet with you like I always have. This church stewards every penny. We spend a lot of time making sure that every penny is stewarded. Every penny is stewarded. It will go to the gospel. It will go to leading. It will go to the kingdom. What you think is small and insignificant, God will use to change nations. And my question to us as a church, what are we waiting for? Well, when I make more, I'll give more. I love you, but I ain't buying what you're selling. Right? When, when my wife and I, all those years ago, right, 30 years this April, a few months, all those years ago we were working on our marriage, right? The commitment to tithe was a seed sowed. It was a seed sowed to say, God, here it is. Well, we're just young Christians. We didn't even know anything. But my pastor looked at me and said, how are you going to believe God to fix your marriage if you can't believe God for a dime? <laughs> Why don't you sow a seed? My wife was incredibly sick. You know her story. If you've never heard my wife's testimony, you should get it and listen to it. And we just sowed. We just sowed and sowed and sowed. And so God's been good to this church. Hello, somebody. And he continues to be good to us. And the issue is about the kingdom and my partnership with God in it. And let me say this to you. How you do anything is how you do everything. How you do anything, it's how you do everything. Will you stand with me? We do a financial update in this church once a quarter. to let you know where the finances are. We do it once a year. We lay out the vision for the finances and the budget every year in December. I need you at any time, you can come into the office and ask for a financial statement. Cindy or Holly will push print. Everything is right there for you to see exactly how it's rolling. And all those things. I want you to be confident when we're asking you to give. Hello, somebody. And, and I, I just want to say this. I want to say this because like, uh, you know, like giving because we can build or, or push the, the vision of the house of God and, and grow things. Listen, I, I can't apologize for being a builder. I used to. But God doesn't let me rest. I just see it. And there's always a need. And there's not a person in this church who will always say, Pastor Don, we built too small. Every time. And I say, well, we built with all the money we had. Watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. You know, because of your faithfulness, we are on track to pay this place off in seven years. Am I right? You remember right? All right, come on. Yeah, give the Lord a hand for that. 
And I'll say this too. I promised the advisory council that when they agreed to take out a mortgage to build and redo and those things that we would build the next time with cash. I, I hope y'all holding on to each other. Get ready. Amen. Because God's going to do some great things. He's going to do some great things and I'm excited. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have our annual dessert auction. And I'm excited about the the excitement I hear in the air, and all of that. Our youth groups ask for nothing in the budget. Last year, they raised $17,000. You guys brought desserts and then bought them back. Hello, somebody. I wonder what we'll raise this year. I just, hello, somebody. I wonder, and it's on Super Bowl Sunday. You got to have dessert. Super Bowl Sunday. And I'll say to this, I realize it may be a cake is it worth $300? But these young people are. These young people are. And so I'm excited about the opportunity. But that's not tithing. That's offering. Hello, somebody. And that's what we just, there's where the joy of the Lord comes when we see these, these young kids doing their thing, right? When we see um, them, them leading. I've been at the basketball games here the last few weeks. It's been epic, you know. Friday night in Centerville was just, man, it was heaven to me. I was, I'm just telling you, I was fired up. When the kids are running down the court, pointing at me in the, in the stands, I was, I was jacked, man. I was, got you. But I see, I told Brenda, I was like, dude, I don't care if you pay, if you use your professional expense to pay for your ticket in the gym. There's kids there, you need to be there. I see all these kids gathered together. They're our kids and they're leading on their teams. They're leading in their classrooms. They're leading in their friend circles. They're worth our giving to. Amen. I see it. I see it. I get comments from teachers go, man, those kids that go to your church, they're good kids. Right? Every once in a while we get a comment from a teacher. Hello, somebody. And I'm like, hey, we're all walking with Jesus, man. It's one day we're going to turn them loose on the devil. I remember the one teacher said, the sooner the better. <laughs> Stop turning them loose on me. I love you. I hope you receive this message with joy. Amen. Um, and with the right heart posture. Don't let a dime be a mountain in your life. And I challenge you to sit down and look at where a dime has been a mountain. I also promise you, God is not going to leave you for lack. That's his promise. So, Father, we embrace this message. We receive all of who you are. Help our hearts, God, to be challenged. Help us see the things we thought was a mountain be wiped down to a plain, a level place, because we believed what you said. Your word was honored. Do it for your glory and your honor in Jesus' name. Father, we receive your word today in faith. Give us the courage to be obedient. Watch what only you can do. God, I pray your blessing on each and every one, God, in heart. And this place, God, as we covet our lives together spiritually, physically, and financially. The vision of this house. Thank you for what you have done. And thank you, God, that our testimony is a prophecy about what you will do. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said... 
Hey, turn around and tell your neighbor, go black kite. <laughs>